Hi, I'm Michelle Shepard, host of Uncover Charmini from CBC Podcasts. In 1999, 15-year-old Charmini Anandavel disappeared on her way to a job that police believed didn't exist. Four months later, her remains were found in a wooded ravine. I revisit the case that has stayed with me for over 20 years, ever since I first covered it as a cub crime reporter for the Toronto Star. You can find Uncover Charmini on CBC Listen or on your favourite podcast app. This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. Today, everything you need to know about how to spot misinformation about COVID-19 vaccines. COVID vaccine deliveries are ramping up this week in Canada, but as vaccines roll out, so does misinformation about those vaccines. The World Health Organization calls it an infodemic, an ocean of misinformation and deliberate disinformation about COVID spread mostly on social media, and it all costs lives. Tara Moriarty is working to counter that misinformation. She's an infectious diseases researcher at the University of Toronto. As we reported a while back on White Coat Black Art, she holds nightly Zoom meetings open to the public to answer questions and concerns about the COVID vaccines. Tara, welcome to The Dose. Thank you very much for having me. I have a very loud lovebird in the house. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, we'll, we'll have to get my budgie and your lovebird together. <laughs> So what are some of the most common pieces of misinformation that you hear about the COVID vaccines through these Zoom sessions? A lot of who we spoke with early on were healthcare workers. Um, it often tended to be uh, women, uh, women of around childbearing age. And so one of the most common forms of misinformation that we heard was that the vaccines cause infertility. There are always concerns about uh, how fast the vaccines were developed. Are they safe? There are a lot of questions related to people's specific health conditions. There's a lot of word of mouth chatter going around about all the reasons why um, uh, certain conditions would make the vaccines unsafe. You know, recently, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the AstraZeneca vaccine, the concern that it causes blood clots. Investigators have since said the vaccine is safe. What are you hearing about that in your sessions? Well, you know, there is a lot of uncertainty right now um, about the AstraZeneca vaccine. It's the instability of information that's making people really nervous. It takes quite a while for correct information to filter through, and it's really hard to overcome this this barrier that there are concerns about the safety of the AstraZeneca. You know, a lot of people are concerned about the blood clots, obviously. And what's necessary is to explain um, in detail how the process of uh, evaluating any new medication works. Um, so after the trials, then there's a period where the medication is rolled out. And uh, if there are possible safety signals, then uh, the rollout of that medication or vaccine or whatever it is are paused while the investigation happens. But Tara, you know, I'm really interested. I want to drill down a little bit more about, about what they're saying about uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine. Are you hearing from these people who are asking for advice, misinformation about the vaccine, or are they jumping on the fact that authorities seem to be going back and forth? It's safe. It's not safe. It's, 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 it's uh, indicated for people who are older. It's not indicated. So which is it that, that you're hearing more often? We are not hearing misinformation that much. Uh, we were early on, but what we were hearing almost exclusively is that people don't know what's going on. They don't know who to trust. There's massive media coverage of this and people are quite 
uh, scared, especially because many people are due to be vaccinated quite soon. Um, and they're really worried about making uh, a dangerous decision. How much mistrust are you hearing of the official sources who are going back and forth on, on, for instance, the AstraZeneca vaccine? A fair bit. I think that, uh, so first of all, people misconstrue sometimes. So the pause, for example, in many European countries on AstraZeneca People have misconstrued that as a ban on the AstraZeneca vaccine. This perception affects how people perceive, for example, in Canada, um, Health Canada and the regulatory process that Health Canada has gone through. The communication has been so confusing and has tipped back and forth so often that the main effect on people is confusion. Let's get back to misinformation around uh, COVID vaccines. Um, where are people who are approaching you uh, for the straight goods uh, getting their misinformation around COVID vaccines? Certainly a fair bit of it is on social media. Uh, there's a fair bit of it that comes certainly among healthcare workers that seems to be uh, happening in uh, discussions at work where people are chatting about things. Information is passing on that way as well. You know, a lot of it is that people are, especially when they they hear something that makes them think that they should pay attention or sh they should be worried, that gets amplified pretty fast. It could be like broken telephone too, right? The concern may be raised originally, but then it's sort of the transmission of that information and the content uh, gets lost uh, over time. People go out and they start trying to find more information about it. But by the time they start looking, there's a massive amount of misinformation, not great quality reporting, and that may be what they're seeing first. The volume of all of it, the, the churn, the broken telephone effect, you know, most people don't really know where to go and get good information. So it's a really complex set of circumstances where you want absolute clarity and you want time for the right information to get out to everyone so everyone's on the same page. But of course, things are changing day by day. The vaccination schedules are changing. You know, all of this is happening so fast. There's very little time for anyone to arrive at a sense of the settled truth about it. You know, take all the media reports in the beginning to with a grain of salt because information reporting is often very inaccurate um, in the first few days. You kind of want to wait a, a bit and uh, not start amplifying it until you have a, a, a greater sense or you've had commentary from official sources about it. And it's really not unlike a disaster or um, you know a mass casualty event in that sense that, that you've got to wait a day or at least a few days to get accurate information. So you're in the business of, of helping to inform uh, people who are asking for for credible information. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about how to spot misinformation. Yeah. Uh, you say that there are three clues. What's the first one? You know, I would say that any statement where someone or uh, uh, an infographic, and an image, a video claims that the vaccines cause or may cause something, that's a red flag. Um, we uh, don't have any evidence um, that these vaccines cause anything other than immunity uh, or protection against COVID-19. So any claim that they cause something is 
absolutely unsupported by any evidence that we have so far. So it, just pay attention for that, for claims that they cause or might cause something. We're going to take a short break, but we'll be right back in a moment. What's the second, uh, what's the second clue? If a claim or a statement does not mention the investigating agency that's involved in examining the data, I would say that that is a red flag. It's absolutely crucial that people um, understand and go to these independent regulatory agencies as a source of uh, information. It is the, the highest quality source of information and assessment. Um, so if you're seeing uh, rumors, stories, others that are circulating without mentioning who or what that investigating agency is and, you know, when they'll be reporting back on it uh, or without summarizing their findings, that is definitely a red flag. And by investigating agencies, you mean Health Canada, the Food and yeah. Drug Administration and other yeah. other regulatory bodies who, who are the ones who either approve or, or don't approve of, of uh, these vaccines. Yeah, like the European Medicines uh, Association as well, or agency. Uh, what's the third clue uh, of uh, in, in ways to spot misinformation? Any statements that claim that vaccines cause long-term side effects are untrue. Uh, so we know that vaccines, that the side effects that occur are typically within um, the first few days of vaccination. They can happen out to a couple of months or so, but any claims that they cause long-term side effects are completely untrue and have not been supported by most studies of other vaccines as well. So anytime you hear about long-term side effects or side effects that, you know, would be lifelong or that would last more than a couple of months, that is almost certainly uh, misinformation or disinformation about the vaccine. We know that racialized communities in Canada are disproportionately impacted by COVID. Yeah. They have justified historic mistrust of the medical establishment. So yeah. what needs to be done in those communities to increase acceptance and uptake of COVID vaccines? Uh, you know, that's a very difficult question. And not least, I think that the experience of many of these communities during COVID, uh, the lack of support, the lack of support for many sectors that people work in, that have been heavily impacted, for example, in long-term care, I think there's a lot of justified anger. Um, and I think that uh, expecting people to just line up and get vaccinated for the good of the community when, you know, they've been supporting um, a lot of the frontline work, a lot of the really, really difficult experiences of COVID are experiences that people in racialized communities have gone through and experienced the most of. I, it's not surprising that there would be anger um, and frustration about the expectation that they would take up uh, a so-called, you know, simple fix like vaccination that costs um, governments relatively very little money. You know, one of the things we do with the, the Q&A sessions is that we say, if you're part of a community that is worried, uh, tell us what you want and how we can help and we will come there and do that in any format that works for you, um, whether it's having volunteer experts who speak the same language or from the same, identify with the same racialized community or um, have uh, a similar, some similar experience in their background, we will provide that. But um, 
you know, in many ways, I think that uh, we are going to continue to see problems because we haven't made a, a, a very good faith effort to support these communities during the COVID epidemic. And we're still fighting about things like paid sick days that uh, greatly affect racialized communities. In some senses, this isn't very optimistic, but in some senses, I think we're reaping what we sowed through inaction. Say you've got a friend or family member spreading inaccuracies and misinformation about COVID vaccines. What do you do then? (laughs) Um, Well... (laughs) Not say. In fact, this does happen (laughs) quite a bit. I rarely, because of my expertise and my knowledge, um, I never call someone out or push back publicly. Um, So, for example, on social media or elsewhere, um, if they're a friend or family member, I always just say, listen, (laughs) do you want to talk about this? But years ago now, I had this experience with one of my brothers who was worried about vaccinating um, his daughters um, with their childhood vaccinations for a lot of reasons that are similar to what many people express with related to the COVID vaccines. And it took quite a long time of sort of talking and back and forth and me explaining sort of the relative risks involved. And, you know, this conversation went on over months and they did get vaccinated. Um, But Certainly for friends and family, I try to do it in a way that does not make people feel shamed or embarrassed or like I'm calling them out or I'm pulling rank because of what I know, any of those things, because that never, ever leads to anyone changing their minds. It's leaving that door open and saying, I'm always here. And then, but also saying clearly, I'm worried, you know, I'm worried about you. I'm worried about my brother's case. I'm worried about your daughters. Here's why, you know, I'm worried about them. I love you and I don't want them to be at risk and expressing that and expressing the personal fears for other people is a very effective way for people to understand that you care about them. Is that what concerns you most if we can't stem the tide of misinformation around COVID vaccines, their personal safety and the safety of society? Both. Uh, I mean, there are many people who can become very ill, uh, die uh, because of COVID-19 if we don't reach uh, vaccine-induced herd immunity in Canada. But I'm very worried for people. Um, I don't think that many people understand exactly how many people in Canada have died. They may not relate to it. You know, they may not understand that one in 41 Canadians to date who've been diagnosed with COVID-19 have died. And there are a lot of people who have had lingering illness and long COVID. And so I am very worried for people. I'm very worried that people think it won't affect them and that the day that it does, they'll wish that they had understood the you know the reality or the the potential reality of it for them and their families but you know this is a difficult thing right like i am very overweight and i (laughs) fully understand the risks of being fairly overweight and you know we have dementia and heart disease all this in my family (laughs) but it doesn't it's not knowing that isn't necessarily an effective way to get me to keep the weight off and, and, you know, 
we're human beings, right? A lot of us know what we should do, but it doesn't seem like more than a hypothetical until it happens to us. Well, Tara Moriarty, I want to thank you for speaking with us and and uh, helping us address the issue of misinformation when it comes to COVID vaccines. Oh, thank you very much, Brian. Always glad to talk. Tara Moriarty is an associate professor in the faculties of health and dentistry at the University of Toronto and an infectious diseases researcher. Misinformation about the effectiveness and safety of COVID vaccines contributes to vaccine hesitancy. Social media, think Facebook, WhatsApp, and Twitter, are sources of vaccine misinformation. For healthcare workers, it may be a colleague at work speaking off the cuff. Tara Moriarty says to be suspicious about information you hear about COVID vaccines that talks about a serious side effect or long-term side effects. Like vaccines that came before the pandemic, the ones against COVID have no serious side effects and no long-term adverse effects. As well, be wary of claims of COVID vaccine side effects that don't bear the stamp of approval from Health Canada, the FDA, or some other regulatory body. If you want objective information about COVID vaccines, consult reputable sources like the Public Health Agency of Canada, the U.S. FDA or Centers for Disease Control, as well as provincial public health agencies. Finally, if someone you know is spreading misinformation, don't confront them head on. Try approaching them with empathy, but express worry that they may be misinforming others and endangering themselves. If there's light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, it's by vaccinating as many of us as possible. Addressing vaccine misinformation is time well spent. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBC White Coat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a favor and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This episode of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Billy Heaton for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.